Well, I trust you had a good new year, and uh, well, if you're like me, I, I ate way too much. I mean, I did. It felt like all yesterday was a perpetual overload. I felt like I was, as they say, proverbially bloated all day. That's a real beautiful image, isn't it? Wow. It's one of those where you have to undo the top button, you know what I mean? One of those deals all day long. Because you went from this to this to this, and wow, what a day. And then, of course, Ohio State won. By the skin of their teeth, but they won. <laughs> That's a good day, all right? And Michigan got beat. But anyway, <clears throat> if you're not a uh, sports fan, you don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, nonetheless, we are here today, and boy, I tell you what, we have a wonderful opportunity as we look forward to the new year. I mean... We're making the turn into this new year, and there's a long road ahead, it seems. And, uh, you know, the truth is none of us are going to travel that road alone. None of us will travel it alone. The question really is, who will you travel, who will you choose to travel with? 
I'm not just talking about the Lord today because obviously if you know Christ is your Savior, He lives with you and He'll be with you always. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We understand that. But I'm just saying even just in general, uh, we're going to have to ask the question, who are we going to choose to travel with us? Well, I have a few suggestions who you should travel with and the first one and most important one is friends. And so today I'm going to point out a couple friends that you ought to travel with. When I was a kid, my mom would take us to the store. She'd take us with the store with, to the store with her. And uh, when it was time to go, she would tell us, she'd say, all right, it's time, get in the car, guys, get in the car, boys. She had four boys, and she'd tell us to get in the car. And next thing you know, we started yelling, I got shotgun, shotgun. My brother would say, I said it first. And with that, we'd both dash to the car and seek to jump in the front seat, pulling each other out half the time. And every Western I ever watched, it seemed, uh, it seemed there was a stage driver. And beside the stage driver was a guy that sat there with a shotgun. He was, he was, if we would say, riding shotgun. He was there to protect the driver and the passengers as well as the cargo. It seemed like there was always a payroll on him. He was there just guarding it. I don't think there was payroll on all those, but it seemed like every movie I've ever seen had a payroll. You know, the miners need paid. We got $30,000 in gold. And the guy riding shotgun, he was called shotgun because he had a shotgun. And so we, we look at it and we say, you know, man, I'm going to ride shotgun. I'm going to be up there beside mom. She's driving. I'm going to be a passenger right beside her. I wonder, who's going to ride shotgun with you this year? Who are you allowing the front seat with you? And again, I want to suggest a good friend would be best. I want to make again a few suggestions. I'm going to mention this. A few suggestions as to who those friends are this morning. Okay? Let me share that with you. I'm going to, first of all, get rid of all spouses. And we're moving Jesus off the plate. Because he's always there. We don't even have to worry about that one. I want to talk to you about some friends that ought to be riding shotgun with you in 2022. I think it'll make a difference in your life that you need to be aware of. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for this time together. We ask, Lord, that you'd bless us in this simple morning service. We thank you, Father, that it is 2022 and that we have arrived here. Some of our loved ones, our family members, our friends have not arrived here at 2022. Instead, you've taken them home to be with you. Lord, we are still here. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to please you with our lives, our lips, and to impact our world, the world in which we live. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us as we take this step, as we look down this long road, that we would choose wisely who rides shotgun with us. Because, Lord, it can make the difference between life and death, good and bad, and success and failure. Lord, we'll thank you, we'll praise you as you give us insight, and Lord, help us. In Jesus' name we pray, <clears throat> amen. First of all, I lied to you as I look at my notes. The Lord is number one. <laughs> I, for some reason, thought I took him off the plate. But we're not going to take him off the plate, we can't. He's too important, so I've changed my mind. 
That's unbelievable. I'm looking right at it when I'm talking to you too. The Lord. If I take him out of the message, it will be too short. So I've decided just to eat crow and have egg on my face and say that I messed up and we're using him today. The Lord. There are two major forces on the earth. Two major forces. Good and evil. However, they're represented by two distinct and real persons. Jesus Christ and Satan. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking there. There we find that we have both persons, both Jesus Christ and Satan represented in the passage. Satan, we see his character is described as that of a thief. That's interesting. His conduct is defined as to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we have his character described as a thief. His conduct defined to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think there's anything appealing about someone who wishes to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And yet many, if not careful, will either wittingly or unwittingly open the passenger side of the car and invite him to ride shotgun. Can you imagine him riding shotgun on the stage? Putting a gun in Satan's hands and saying, all right, you're there to protect the driver. You're there to protect the, the, the passengers and the cargo. I don't know about you, but I don't think it'd be a very wise move to put the thief in the front seat with a gun. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense at all. See, he, I'm not going to allow him to ride shotgun for me at any time. Jesus Christ, on the other hand, his character is not defined at all in the passage, really. I mean, it is subtly, but it's not directly defined. Neither is his conduct described, but instead his desires on display here. Look at what he desires. The Bible says, I am come that they might have life. That's what he desires. That's, that's not his character, although that's his person. He is life. We know that. That they might have it more abundantly, he says. I want you to have life, and I want you to have life more abundantly. Well, that's pretty good. That's his desire for you. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. I think if I took a poll in the crowd today, and I said, how many of you want life, and you want life more abundantly? Everybody go. We'd all raise our hands. I think that's a, pretty much a given today. But you know what? The problem is, is that wanting something and having it are two different things. Now, he wants that for you, and you probably want that for yourself. But can I tell you, you have to make a conscious decision. You have to put the right person in the seat beside you. Amen. You have to consciously choose to let the Lord ride shotgun in your life. Now, that's what he desires for you. That's not what Satan wants for you. That's what only the Lord wants for you. 
The Lord has your best interest at heart. By the way, that person that rides shotgun affects not only the driver, but it affects those that are going along with you in life. How sadly it is to watch as a family or a, a mom or a dad or maybe a grandpa or grandma makes a bad decision <clears throat> and it affects all those around them in a very negative light. Whether we want to admit it or not, no man, the Bible says, is an island. Nobody lives unto themselves. Every one of us impacts and influences other people. And so depending on who you put shotgun in 2021 is going to make a difference. And can I tell you, the Bible says that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Man, I'll tell you what, one of the best friends you ever have, had or ever will have or could ever possibly think of having is Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, we got to let him ride shotgun with us. We should put him in the seat beside us. We shouldn't make a decision without conferring with him. We shouldn't turn right or left without knowing he's in saying, okay, that looks good to me too, because he always has our best interest at heart. He always wants us to succeed. He always wants us to have life and life more abundantly. I wonder who's going to ride shotgun with you this year. Who will you allow in the front seat with you? And again, I suggest a good friend would be best, and Jesus Christ will do wonderfully. Number two, talking about friends, the church. The church is your friend. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Statistically, there's a new group that's out. They're called nuns, N-O-N-E-S. When you look at certain see, like um, let's see, I'm, I've got to think of it. The um, Pew Research or Gallup polls, and you consider church attendance. There's a group that seems to be rising up. They say it's the fastest growing religion, so to speak, if it was a religion in the country. It's called nuns. What it means is that they're atheists, they're agnostic, they're people that don't believe in any one religion. They don't adhere to, nor do they participate in or part of any particular group. They want nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the church. They're nuns. They just don't have any affiliation at all with religion. Oh, I'm not saying that they don't claim to be spiritual, but they don't have any relationship or part with the church, the, you know, church as we know it. People are like, oh, I don't believe in organized religion. The, the nuns would say that. And they're, very, they're a growing population in our, our country. Can I tell you they are in control of our media? They're in control of our schools. They're the ones that are pushing the agendas that we see in America today. And let me tell you something. People that are atheistic and people that are agnostic and people that want nothing to do with organized religion are not the people we want teaching and influencing our kids or us. How do you combat this? 
There's a number of things, but let me just say one thing you can do is ensure that the church is your friend and that you are a friend of the church. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. The some are the nuns. And believers, too, that want nothing to do with the house of God. Isn't that pitiful? Have you ever knocked on a door and talked to somebody and said, man, listen, uh, you know, if you died today, are you 100% sure where you'd spend eternity? Yes. I, I'm going to heaven. Wonderful. Where do you go to church at, my friend? I don't. I, no, I don't go to church right now. Really? Well, we sure love to have you. Why don't you go to church? Well, I've been hurt, or this happened, or that happened. I don't believe in organized religion anymore. Or my ideas have changed since then. I got saved as a kid, and now I just don't see the point of it. Oh, really? Man, that's, that boggles my mind. I don't know about you. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. There are some that don't. But exhorting one another, he says. What he's implying then is that within the context of the church is exhortation. There's an element of encouragement. There's an element of instruction. There's that, that, that element where people are coming together. And he says, and so much the more come together. So much the more assemble yourselves as you see the day approaching. As we draw nigh to, to Christ, we say, oh, uh, uh, how many Christians have you talked to that say, man, we got to be getting to the last days now, boy. Man, I'm telling you, Jesus got to be coming back soon. Yeah, you'll be in church tonight, won't you, brother? Well, no, i got things to do. Well, you don't believe the scriptures then. Well, Wednesday night, I'll see you, brother. Uh, well, I'm kind of tied up on Wednesdays. Well, so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what he's implying? He's not saying that so that you can be strapped. So that you can have a, you know, oh, man, you know, put, put what's that, what, what do they do that? They put, throw you in a rubber room? Straight jacket on you. Just throw you in a, throw the straight jacket on you, throw you in a rubber room. Can't do nothing but bounce against the walls. Hey, you know what? That's not why the preacher says you ought to be in church so that you can be miserable. No, it's because God tells you to be in God's house. And, and God says, listen, the church is important in your life. It's a friend to you, especially as you see the day approaching. Why? Because things aren't getting brighter out there. They're getting darker. Things are getting more difficult to stand. It's harder to stand up for Jesus in the midst of that kind of life, that kind of influence in the world. The church is a body here. And according to the Bible, it means it's a means by which we're exhorted, we're encouraged. And you and I are going to face difficult times. That's all there is to it today. Over the course of 2022, you and I are going to face some really tough times. And the church is a means by which we find comfort, we find courage, we find confidence to stand. I want you to think about this for a minute. Say you got young children in your home. Say that you fail at some point in 2022 to continue to stand for Jesus. Where does that put them in eternity? Well, we still love the Lord in our home. Yeah, is that what they're going to catch? Because more is caught than taught. I'm going to tell you something. We're fighting not only for our generation, we're fighting for the next generation. And I'll tell you what, when a family turns their back on the local church, they usually find their children going off into the world, and there is no place where salvation is found there. 
for the sake of your children's eternity, stay faithful to the house of God. Let Understand that the church is a friend. Again, within the walls of this place are others that have the same beliefs, same desires, and same destination in mind. That means most are going, most are going in the same direction as you are. And that's important when it comes to successful Christian living. We need to be around others that are striving for the same goals. In Amos 3.3, the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is a resounding no. You can't get along. You're not going to be able to walk together if you don't see eye to eye. If, if, if anything in our world over the last year and a half, we have learned that there are truly, you, you can't walk together unless you agree on some things. Man, we are so divided in our country on so many issues and so many f- aspects. And let me tell you, that division is making its way into the house of God. And let me tell you something, the political junk that's going on in our country, this COVID crap that's taking place, let me tell you something. If before you get out of sorts with somebody in the church because they don't agree with your position on any one of them, you better just stop it right there, friend, and realize that is not a reason to break fellowship with somebody. I don't care what you believe about racism. I don't care what you believe about COVID. My friend, we are in this together. We better figure it out real quick that it's about more than us. It's about a world that's dying and going to hell. And we better get it together and realize we can put some of those differences aside if we have to and get the work done for God. Amen. This is ridiculous. Well, I don't like their position on COVID. I don't like their position on this. I don't appreciate the attitude he has about that subject. Who cares? It's about time that we figure out there's a bigger problem than division. Division doesn't belong in the church. Let's get along on the areas we understand to be true. Do you believe Jesus Christ died for the sin of the world? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ rose again the third day? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the head of the church? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ should be the head of the home? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ and the word of God ought to dictate and determine your faith and practice? Yes. Then let's get along. No place for division. Leave that junk out there. Quit bringing it into church. Telling you how to believe or how to think. You read your Bible and you pray and come to some conclusions. The Bible's pretty clear on a lot of this stuff. It's not as gray as we may think. But I'll tell you one thing we can't do as Christians. Go out there and come in with our own preconceived ideas of what truth is and step into the doors of this and then want to impose it on everybody else. Whether you think you're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. You better be right with God, not with right with, just right with who your little buddies are. That wasn't in the message, by the way. But that belongs there. Because I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that we, we can't walk together except we be agreed. And the church ought to be a place. It is a place where people come together that believe the same things, basically. Man, that book stands truth. Now listen, don't tell me that you believe differently about transgenderism when the Bible says this is what we believe. You're going to hear it from the pulpit. It's wrong. You say, well, I can't go there because I don't agree with them. You don't agree with God then. Quit making an issue between a man and you. It's between the master and you then. This is why we read in the Bible, because two cannot walk together, said they bigger. That's why in the Bible you read that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Because God understands this principle better than we do sometimes. You cannot have friendship with the world and still be a friend of God, according to the Bible. You say, how do you define the world? Let the Bible define it. Okay, let's just let the Bible do it. 
I don't need to take time to do that today, but let me tell you, it's pretty clear. We just saw in our Sunday school classes today, in Romans chapter 6, that we either yield to righteousness or to sin. That's what we learned today. You make a decision to do so, and I do too. Listen, if you have made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to let Christ rule in your life, in your family, your marriage, then my friend, you need the church. It is a friend to you. Don't you throw that away. Don't you kick him out of the passenger seat. You let him ride shotgun with you. He says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now I'll skip down because I don't want to spend too much time on that portion. You know that truth. But friendships are important because they provide us with support that's desperately needed in the Christian life. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, let's look at that. Because I'm going to blow up a couple other preconceived ideas here real quick. As we kick off 2022, we need to be very careful with this thing called friendship. We all think we know what it is, but I don't know that we know what the Bible definition is really overall. I think sometimes we misunderstand what God intends for us as believers. I was reading an article just this morning about a, a woman that wrote into uh, the editor of this website or whatever, and she's a young girl, probably 22 years old, giving advice. And she said, I'm an introvert, so I'm not the one really probably to give you advice on this. The question was, what do you do when none of the ladies in the church will embrace you? You've, you? you've gone to church all this time, and they won't accept you the way you, you know, they won't give, invite you over all the time. They won't do this for you, and they won't do that for you, and, and blah, blah, blah. And, her advice was simply this. I'm not good at giving advice on that, she said, because I'm an introvert. I don't really need a bunch of friends. Huh, that's a novel idea, first of all. But then she says, she says this. She says, you know what? You need to realize that there's a lot of other places, millions of places you can find a friend other than the church. At your local gym. Go, get a, go get a, a, take a course at the local college and find a friend. I mean, get on the internet. Find a friend. They're all over the place. Why, why are you worried about being friends with somebody at church? There's, there's a million of them everywhere else. She means well. And that's good advice if you're not a Christian. Probably good advice if you want. Good advice. Run out there. Find a friend somewhere. But how can two walk to, uh, together except they be agreed? Well, I'll find somebody at somebody other church down in Texas. Well, you have a hard time getting together at New Year's Eve. That's what it says here in Ecclesiastes 4.9. Friendships are important, folks. Two are better than one. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that's alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, when they have heat, uh, excuse me, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not broken, quickly broken. Hey, listen, friendships are important. Hold on, though. Watch this. Let me state, make a few statements very quickly. Be careful that you don't define hangout buddy with true friendship. You be careful. You know what most people think friend means today? Hang out, buddy. Hang out. 
We hang out all the time. We're friends. I've known a lot of hangout buddies that stab people in the back. I've known a lot of girls who are friends with other girls who... I've known guys that have done the same thing. Let me tell you something. You be careful you don't define friendship by hangout buddy. I don't have any friends. Well, let me ask you, are you saying I don't have anyone who's there for me when needed, or I don't have the hangout buddy? You may have more friends than you think. Number two, uh, here's another one. Don't expect everyone to want to be your friend. Why, why do we have that expectation? Everybody ought to be my friend. Everybody ought to want to be my friend. Why? Is that how it worked in high school? Is that how it worked at the local place you worked? Everybody wants to be your friend? Man, unless you are the king and queen, and I don't understand what it's like not to be. <laughs> so, who doesn't want to be popular, right? Who doesn't want everybody to want to be their friend? There is a part of us, unless you are that introvert like that young girl was talking about, where I don't need friends, I don't really care, and, and I appreciate that about her. But here's the point. We can't expect everybody to want to be our friend, and don't expect that. Don't just, why are we thinking that? Don't expect them to want to be your friend. Number, number three, stop waiting on someone to be your friend. Stop waiting on someone to be your friend. We're waiting around. Well, they never invited me over never included me. Hmm. Bunch of snobs in that church. Hmm. Why are you waiting? Why are you waiting around for someone to be your friend? Why does somebody have to go out of their way to be your friend? Why? Are you that insecure that somebody has to show you that you're worthwhile, that you have value? quiet in here. How about this one then finally? Get busy being a friend. Instead of looking for people to be your friend, instead of expecting people to be a friend to you, waiting on someone to be a friend to you, why don't you just stay, you know what, I don't care if anybody's my friend, I'm going to be a friend to everybody. You know what I found? When you get so busy trying to be a friend, you don't got time for friends. You say, that's a joke. I'm not joking. No smile on my face. You get busy being a friend to people, you'll have plenty to do. You won't have time to always have that hangout buddy. You'll be busy. Huh, so-and-so's got a need. I'm going to go over there and meet it. I heard so-and-so needs some prayer. Hey, listen, I was just calling to let you know I'm praying for you. I'm concerned for you. Oh, man, they're pretty low right now. I'm just going to go sit with them for about two or three hours at the house. By the way, pastor can't be a friend to everybody. That's what we're for. That's what the body's for. But, but we got too many times in local churches across America, we got people sitting in the pew waiting for somebody to be a friend to them. And they leave churches because I can't find no friends. In 2022, why don't you stop looking for a friend and start being one? Preacher, this is wonderful. This is a liberating truth. Thank you so much. This puts to rest all my concerns. Now I figured it out. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you don't need, but hold on. 
I could, I could say things like, just get plugged in and involved in everything, and sooner or later, somebody will pop up down the road. Might not be tomorrow, might not be next week or next month, but it'll happen. You show yourself friendly, that's what the Bible says. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. How'd that change? It changed in the public school system when we're sitting at our desk waiting for a kid. Hey, nobody wants to come talk to me. I'm, I don't know why nobody will talk to me. And we make one attempt, one feeble attempt. Hi, how are you? And then the people are like, I'm good, thanks. Nobody wants to be with me. Nobody cares about me. They got their little cliques. Get involved in the clique. Join the group. Step up, man. Do something for some people in that group. Without them even know, just start doing some things nice for people. Start being a friend to them, even if they're not showing themselves friendly to you. You show yourself friendly to them. Take responsibility to be a friend to others, and I promise you this, you won't find as much time to have to need friends. And then when trouble does come in your life, after you've served others long enough, people will go, hmm, maybe I should go over there and help them. Maybe I should give them a call. I'm telling you, you've got to get out of your mind this stuff. This stuff's killing churches. If friendship is the goal of the church, if that's the purpose of the church, then my friend, we better stop going soul winning. We don't make a lot of friends out knocking doors. We probably have to spend a little more time on social activities. Maybe we should go bowling more often together. Why soul winning? Let's go bowling. I don't know about you, but I learn a lot more about a person out door knocking than I do out bowling. Preacher, this is going south fast. This isn't a good way to start 2022, preacher. You're supposed to be making us laugh today. I know I'm supposed to, but it ain't working. See, I wonder who's going to ride shotgun with you this year. Tell me, the church is important in your life. Whether you understand that or not, I'm going to give you one more. You say, man, you're almost done? Yeah. You can't take much of this. (laughs) You're killing me here. Finally, not only should we let the Lord and the church ride shotgun, those are friends in our lives. Number three, the pastor. The pastor. Now listen, your relationship with your pastor is not going to be like other, fellow, other friendships in your life. It's not going to be the same. I don't want to discourage you. I don't want to cause you to be depressed because I know everybody wants to be my friend. <laughs> the only ones laughing are the ones that could care less. But anyway, <clears throat> I'm teasing. <laughs> They're like, who cares? We don't want to be your friend. But anyway, uh, it's, the bad part was too many of you were laughing. But um, your relationship with your pastor is not going to be like other friendships in your life. And that's a reality. I mean, he's not likely to be going on vacation with you and your family or texting back and forth every day of your life. He's not likely to get season tickets with you or hang out in your garage on weekends. He's not, that's probably not how it's going to work out. It, I'm not saying it may never work out that way, but it's not going to be that way probably. He's not going to be able to give that kind of time to any one person. You're not going to go out to dinner with him regularly or meet for lunch consistently. It's highly unlikely that he's going to be your hangout buddy. However, 
He'll be a friend and he'll be a good one to you. Because see, we've misunderstood what friendship is. We forget sometimes what it really means. There's an old saying that goes like this. I heard it years ago and been saying it for years. I had a friend actually that said it to me one time. A friend in need is a friend indeed. That's not necessarily a hangout, buddy. So I believe the pastor's going to be your friend. At least that's his desire. That's what he wants to be. Your pastor's going to do his best to offer protection, to offer direction, and even affection. That friendship will be most noted in some things, though. It's going to be noted in his preaching, his teaching, and his counsel. That's where that friendship will be most noted. He's going to show his love that way through his preaching, his teaching, and his counseling. And he'll be doing it in truth. That's how he shows his love. He doesn't mix words. He doesn't say things that are meaningless in that sense. He says things that he believes will be helpful and beneficial and crucial to your growth in Christ. He'll say the hard things because the hard things sometimes are what we need to hear in order to be what God intends us to be and to mold and make us what we ought to be. Sometimes we, again, misunderstand our pastor and his role in our lives. And I'm not sharing this because I think people in here have misunderstood this. I'm sharing that because I don't want it to ever become misunderstood. It's called preventive maintenance in the military. You do a lot of things in the military not because there's a problem, but because you want to avoid a problem. Sometimes we misunderstand our pastor and his role in our lives. As our friend, he's obligated and responsible to state the truth and to point out error. Depending upon our position and our perspective, we can view that as either an act of love or an act of attack. Say, what do you mean? Well, the Apostle Paul shares an example of that in his epistle to the Galatians. Turn over to Galatians chapter 4, verse 13. I'm telling you, we got, we got a long road to travel in 2022. And I don't know about you, but riding shotgun in my life, I want the Lord riding shotgun. I want the church to be right by my side, supporting me and encouraging me, exhorting me, lifting me up, providing me with the kind of friendships that I need even to move forward and not be discouraged in a world that's dark and dismal. But I also need my pastor. You say, well, you're the pastor. I know, and that's what makes pastoring very difficult. Because he doesn't necessarily have a pastor. He is the under-shepherd. You know how David went in chapter 33 of Exodus, I believe, it, well, no, of uh, 1 Samuel 30. I, I'm getting them mixed up. But remember when he came back to Ziglag and the Amalekites had destroyed uh, the city, burned it down and taken all the women and the children. When all the, the warriors got together and said, it's all David's fault, we're going to stone him, we're going to kill him. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, as a pastor, you have to learn to do that probably more than anybody else in the church. You say, you need friends too. And I do have some pastor friends that I can talk to if necessary. But I don't have probably, I don't really have the kind of friendships that maybe you might be able to have. It's not because I don't necessarily like you. 
No, I like you. I love you. And when I do get a chance to hang out with you, I love that. And that's wonderful. But it's a little bit different. It is a little different. Just sharing my heart. Because when I stand in this pulpit, if I got to share things sometimes that are going to hurt. And it makes it difficult. How many times have you heard someone say, Pastor got up in the pulpit and preached about everything I just told him? You've never heard anybody say that, have you? Not too many people say that at Community Baptist Temple. There's good reason for that. I want to know you, but I got to be careful sometimes what you say because you'd be surprised how many things I preach about. I, some of you sit out there and go, Did he have a, is there a fly on the wall in our house? But you know, I never told him that, and I never even told anybody else that. How would he know that? We get hanging out at all the ball games, and I'm spending all the weekends over at your house in the garage. You may be surprised what comes up, or I may be tempted not to preach it because I'm fearful that it may offend you or hurt you. Because I do care about you. And it matters to me what you think. Even though you say it shouldn't, it does. I do care what you think. I'm human too. I don't know if this belongs on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. I don't know what this belongs. I don't know if they're allowed to even preach this, like teach it this stuff. I thought you're supposed to have an evangelist in to do it. I'm just dumb enough to do it. Notice Galatians 4.13, the Apostle Paul, verse 13. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. So right off the bat, Paul's stating a point. Man, I came to you and I preached the truth to you. Man, I, I preached the gospel to you. Man, I'll tell you what, what happened was many of those people came to Christ, got saved. He goes, verse 14, In my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despise not. The implication is that Paul had something going on. It's potentially a physical issue. Some said his eyes were affected, and maybe it even caused him to have an issue where it wasn't very pleasant to look upon. He says, in my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despise not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. <laughs> they didn't care what he looked like. They didn't care what the message was. They just knew he was there to help them and love them, and they loved him in return. Where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and have given them to me. He's saying, now see, this physical ailment I had, obviously it appears that it had something to do with his eyes. Whether or not, it, it, it also seems that it, it, it did affect his, his, his uh, the way he looked or his, you know, picture, if you will. If you're taking a snapshot, you'd say, wow, he's got some problems with those eyes. That looks, ugh. He says, that didn't bother you, though. You, you didn't care about that. The truth is, is that you embraced the gospel. You embraced the truth. You loved me like nobody's business. So much so that you would have been willing to pluck your own eyes out so that I could have seen better, so that you could have heal, helped heal me. You cared more about me at that point than you even cared about yourself. And here's the kicker now. Verse 16. Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. There were issues in the church there. Paul was addressing them. Paul had to step on some toes, not because he wanted to be a meanie meanie, but because he wanted to truly help people. 
He wanted to fulfill the calling that God had given him to instruct and encourage and to ultimately grow people to be more Christ-like. And sometimes that message gets a little bit convoluted in the, in the outlook, when people's outlook changes, when our perspective changes, when we fail to remember why we're here and what God did for us in the past. And what the ultimate real goal of the believer is, and that's to be like Jesus. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Again, we're gonna, we got a long road to ride here. 2022. You need, you need, I'm telling you, you need somebody riding shotgun that's got your back. And the Lord's got your back. Don't forsake the church. You need the church. Amen. The church is a friend to you because that's where you're going to find people of like faith, people that have the same goals and desires and direction that ultimately see things the way the Bible says it and you see things the way the Bible says it and you can come together and find courage and strength and comfort together. Amen. And you need, you need your pastor to have your back. You need a pastor. You don't just need somebody that calls themselves a pastor. You need somebody that's going to proclaim the truth. Amen. Somebody's going to stand up and say, this is wrong and this is right. This is what the Bible teaches. Whether you agree or you disagree, doesn't matter. What matters is what God says. That's a friend to you. That's being a friend. And you say, Pastor, I need to talk to you about something important. And he says, all right, let's get together. Let's talk. By the way, I'm going to say this, and I say this because I think it's important for you to have the right perspective too. Some things are only as important as your schedule to you. So what I mean by that. If it's only important to talk to the pastor when it's convenient for you to talk to the pastor, then it's not important enough probably to talk to him. Sometimes there are things that are so important you need to talk to him. Don't say, he didn't have time for me. Well, let me ask you, were you willing to get up at 6 in the morning and meet him? Were you willing to take your lunch break and come over and see him and not get to go to McDonald's? You willing to come out and maybe even take an hour off of work and come see your pastor? You willing to say, you know what, he does have a lot of people he deals with. He's not too busy for me. It's just that sometimes I have to work my schedule around him. But if he can't work his schedule around me, then he don't care. That's not true. Amen. I try to work with a lot of people's schedule. I'm just trying to warn you now. And I'm telling you, Community Baptist Temple needs to grow. Not because Pastor O'Donnell needs a bigger church, but because Pastor O'Donnell wants to reach the world with the gospel. And it does, you know how that's reflected? In the number of people that are sitting in these pews. You say, how do you know if you're reaching the, 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 the community? Because it'll be reflected in the people that are being drawn to the house of God. We got to do a better job of reaching the community. Now, again, it's a bad day because we got a lot of sick folks out. So you look around and say, man, there's a lot of holes in here. There are. But let me tell you, there's still plenty of holes that can be filled. And we got to do a better job of that. But I'm going to tell you this. Be careful you don't cast your true friends away. Put your, proper, put your good friends in shotgun, the Lord. 
And listen, I'm not telling you to kick your spouse out. That's, <clears throat> that's a given. They ought to be your best friend in the world outside of Jesus Christ. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, the Lord, the church, and your pastor, you ought to have them riding shotgun. <clears throat> they ought to be on speed dial, so to speak. That ought to be there, right there when you need them, because we're going to need them in 2022. And don't you worry about Pastor O'Donnell getting worked to death. You just use your pastor as the Lord leads you. You need your pastor, you let him know that. <clears throat> don't put it on Facebook and expect him to contact you. I don't, I don't play Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on any of that, and maybe I should be. I don't know. Some of you probably say, man, you could really do a better job, reach more people. Yeah, maybe I will one day, but let me tell you this. I don't go there looking for your problems, and I don't go there looking for your sin either. There's a, it's both. I'm telling you, I stay off some of that because I don't want to see some of you women in shorts up to here. Halter top down to there. And saying, you're teaching Sunday school? You don't want me looking at Facebook. I don't want to see pictures of you in your backyard at your pool. I'm sorry. Did I say something wrong? I'm just saying the sword works both ways there, though. Don't expect me to know what's going on in your life either unless you tell me because I'm not looking for those kind of things. I'm assuming everything's going well unless you tell me different. Husband and wife, you got a problem, you need to come see your pastor. He's a friend. He should be riding shotgun. Say, hey, we need a little help. We got the enemy on our back. You ready? I'm set. Let's go. Let's do this. Just saying, I'm, I want to be there. Don't assume I'm too busy. I'm sick of hearing it. Pastor, I just know you're busy, so I never called you. Are you out of your mind? I should be riding shotgun. I'm the one that can help you in time of trouble. Let's take them out. I'm riding shotgun. I do care about you. And I want you to succeed in your life, your Christian life, most importantly, and then your life as well, because they're both connected. Your spiritual life and your life are connected. I want to help you. I wonder who's going to ride shotgun with you this year. You going to allow me? You going to allow the church? You going to allow the Lord in the front seat with you? I hope you will. It all begins, though, with a relationship, doesn't it, with Christ? If you, you come to Community Baptist Temple today and there's never been a time or a place in your life when you recognize that Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, is the way, the truth, and the life, He's the only way you can get to heaven, the only way your sin can be forgiven, the only way that you can actually have the productive life that God intends for you in this world. Today's a good day for you to find him and to accept him and receive him into your life. He died for you 2,000 years ago. He took your place. He became your substitute. The Bible says, and we read it in Romans 6 today, that he literally became your substitute. He took your sin so that he could give you his righteousness. So that when God sees you one day, he doesn't see that sin in your life. He sees the son, Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ. 
If you've never let Christ be real in your life, you've never trusted and received him as your savior, today's the day you do it. Start the year off with Christ. Put him as shotgun. Put him beside you as you travel 2022. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you would help us today. And again, Lord, we, we are needy people. And Lord, we, we do want to please you with our lives. And Lord, it's not easy to do that sometimes. The world is not an easy place to live. And the truth is, it's not just the world. Sometimes in our own lives, we have physical issues. We have emotional issues. We're dealing with problems and circumstances that sometimes seem to just be overwhelming in our lives. Help us, Lord, to surround ourselves with the right kind of friends. And Lord, that starts with you, first and foremost. May we not neglect you. May we not put you in the back seat, but instead put you right in the front seat, riding shotgun. And I know, Lord, that the picture ought to be you at the helm, you at the driver's seat. I get all that. But I'm saying, for the sake of the picture, Lord, you're there to protect us. You're there to watch over us. You're there to keep us safe along life's journey. You're the shotgun, so to speak, riding with us. Help us, Lord, not to do anything with you, but put you right in front with us. I pray, Lord, that we would allow the church to be that friend that they ought to be, sitting shotgun. Because the Lord, the church will protect us. It'll encourage us. It'll, it'll move us and motivate us. It'll, we'll find hope there. We'll find help there. Oh, God, help us, Lord, not to turn our backs on the church, but instead to invite the church to ride shotgun. Lord, the pastor, not a perfect pastor for sure, just a human being trying to do this best, filled with your spirit, trying to walk in the light. But Lord, I pray that, Father, you'd help me to be the pastor I ought to be. Lord, I know I fail people sometimes. I do. In my humanness, I fail people. I don't always live up to everyone's expectations, Lord. And I know I have to be careful with that, too, because sometimes theirs may not be realistic either, just like sometimes my expectations aren't realistic of others. And I just pray, dear God, you'd help us, Lord, to, 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 as a church family, to love one another, care for one another, and help me, Father, to be there for this thy people. There are precious people. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to give them all the love I possibly can. Lord, help us in 2022 to accomplish what you've called us to do. Help us, Father. We desperately need you. And Lord, if there be that person that's without you, may they be saved even today. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand.